You're listening to Two Girls, One Crossword. I bought a paint by numbers kit of horses. Have you started that yet? No, because I'm I scared. feel like yeah, you showed that to me months ago. No, that's different. Okay, oh, I was thought that about a horses. I thought I bought set. a paint by numbers horses kit, and then it turned out to be a sticky gemstone one, which looks like it's a lot of work. So then I bought the paint by numbers one because mm. there was on sale mm-hmm. at Michaels for seven dollars, and it's three horses running. And I feel like I can't imagine that it's going to look good, but supposedly the paint by numbers works. It's Amazing. a lot to take on, though. I mean, it's a big commitment, and that's a I massive to bite the bullet and do it. Yeah, yeah. I think I think it's time. Um, I feel like I really want to do like one of those sticky gem, you know, by numbers, whatever they are. Mm-hmm. I love watching those videos when they come up on TikTok and the way that they sound when they pick up the gems and they connect the gems. It's like some ASMR shit that really gets my gets my goat going, you know. But yeah. I don't know if it would actually be relaxing or if I would just be more stressed than I already am baseline. Yeah, that's the thing. I I don't know. I don't think it's not relaxing for me. I just actually want a hand painted picture of horses on my wall because <laughs> I am tacky like that, and that's the kind the exact kind of art that I like to cover my walls in. Um, that's great. You know, I it would go well with my painted texture uh, framed portrait of a flying bald eagle that I got at a thrift store. So amazing! And don't you have a, a painted ship coming in coming your way? I do. Yes. That's great. That's great. It's sailing on into my life and I couldn't be happier. And it is supposedly huge. So I don't know where I'm going to put it. I might have to just hide it under my bed for future apartments. But if you are out there, listeners, and you have any weird artwork, um, send me a picture of it because I might, that you're trying to get rid of, of course, send me a picture of it. I might pay for you to ship it to me. She loves a good piece of strange artwork. I mean, if you're watching us on YouTube, shameless YouTube plug, you can see a massive, uh, tyrannosaurus rex print hanging behind her head that's one i mean the wall that she's facing it has most of her artwork i would say so yeah, you don't the listeners know, can't honestly. see it but that's just a taste the t-rex is a taste yeah you don't even know <laughs> you haven't even um, we haven't even started talking about the bathroom um, no. which is amazing but we're not going to show it to you because you know some things need to remain private in our lives yeah, maybe if we get a certain number of listens per episode, I'll do a full apartment tour that no <gasps> one asked for. I'm sure we would uh, get like four watches on YouTube. And that's yeah. a great Hell number yeah. for us. So, yeah, I'll take any attention I can get. Um, speaking of, we are the Good Evening Girls, and this is Two Girls, One Crossword. Your favorite weekly podword crosscast. My name is Chelsea Rowan. I'm Grace Topinka. And here we are. That's 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 the intro. Uh, <laughs> that is the should we go into our new exciting uh topic or what do we call it segment i, I think we're calling it a, it's a segment i think we're calling it poll a palooza i know we're calling it that but i should not know if it was a before we hop into poll a palooza which is a fun segment i want to hop into corrections corner which is a sad segment well it's not sad actually i kind of like when we get corrections corners because it makes me think that people are listening to our podcast well now Um, oh my gosh now you're saying that we're gonna get a bunch (laughs) (laughs) well um we did get a corrections corner this past week a lovely listener named emma wrote to let me know that i mutilated quite a lot of french in the previous episode which is embarrassing because emma said in her message that she took years of french and yes what so did i Uh, but that means (laughs) nothing anymore folks it means nothing i haven't looked french in the eye in in years except the the small pieces of french that come in 
the crosswords. Anyway, one of the words that I mispronounced was the place that Joan of Arc was being interrogated in. I kept saying Rhone, I believe, but according to Emma, it is actually pronounced Rouen. So I apologize to any French nationals out there, anyone who speaks French, some variation of French. Um, I clearly do not, but I appreciate when people write to me and let me know that I mess things up. If you notice that I mispronounce something, I really encourage you to let me know because I want to correct that, uh, especially names, you know, that kind of thing. So thanks, Emma. Yes, uh, that goes for me as well. I know I mispronounce things left, right, and center. Um, we try. We try. And the, I, I do, like, look up how to pronounce things, and then I write it out phonetically, but then in the heat of the moment when I'm reading off my notes, I'm just, like, stumbling over it. And Oh, yeah. I listen yeah. to the videos. I go to howtopronounce.com. I find interviews where people introduce themselves. I do it all. But okay, yeah, but sometimes I watch those videos, how to pronounce things, and it's like a robot voice. Yeah, and also some of those how to pronounce videos are troll videos to like get people like us who are desperately trying to understand how to pronounce. <laughs> That's what's something. happened to me. If I ever mispronounce something, it is because I watched a troll video on how to pronounce <laughs> something. <laughs> I refused to take responsibility for any of my actions, basically. So, mm-hmm. but I guess now, now since we've gotten through the sound section, which I actually like, corrections corner. Uh, let's get into Polapalooza. We asked our Twitter followers, do you use your local library options <gasps> all the time? Sometimes, if I remember, only as a kid and never. Grace, what would you put for that one? All the time, obviously. I put sometimes when I remember only because there are there will be periods of times, months where I'm like using it all the time. And then chunks of time where i forget that a library exists mm-hmm. and then i'm like how do i get this book and i don't know what to do and then i'm like you have a library you should do that so well that is was the most common answer 45 percent of people said sometimes if i remember Ooh. So hopefully last episode reminded you that libraries exist and have a lot of resources but 40 percent, the second highest said all the time that's amazing that's great we love that so th- the top two answers are people who like to use the library Mm-hmm. that's great if you're in one of those it. you know smaller sections that you know or answers that don't necessarily use the library all the time i would urge you to reconsider yeah 10 percent said they only used it as a kid and five percent said they never use it mm, i see well try again wrong answer i say that with well, love of course i do urge you to support your local bookstores um a lot of them are so willing to work with you. They will mail you books. You can they, If they don't have a book, they will order it for you. and You can pick it up there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I love to do it. It's a great gift for a birthday or a holiday. Buy someone a gift card yes. to their local bookstore. Grace got me a lovely gift card to a local bookstore. I have yet to use it. It's one of those things where when I get a gift card to a bookstore, I like want to use it on the perfect book. And I'm like, well, you have bite to the wait. bullet. I know. Yeah. Well, it has to be a book that you really want to own. Right. That's the thing, too. It can't be just, you know, because there's some books, well, I'll buy them like for an e-reader. Mm-hmm. But some books, I want the hard copy cover and I want it to sit on my bookshelf and I have to wait for the right book to come along. I have yet you to can't. use that gift card, Grace, but I will let you know when I do. You can't rush those things. That's how no. I understand. That's true. That's true. Um, well, that's Polapalooza. Thank you, Grace. Tune in next week for our next poll and follow us on Twitter if you want to participate in the polls. Yes, we are at the Good Eve Girls. Do it, do it, do it. Let's do our hits and shits. What do you think? Let's do it. I have some, they're not really shits. They're shits in that I did, don't know what they mean. So 
and I tried look some of these I tried looking them up and I couldn't find answers. Let's get into it. So the Friday New York Times by Sidra Bhagavathula. 28 down blue. And the answer was erotic. I looked this up and a blue is um if you go like on Google Dictionary, you know how like the dictionary kind of pops mm-hmm. up on Google search. If you keep going like further down the entries, blue is like a a way people would describe like pornographic films, like blue films or blue f- oh. pictures or something like that. Mm-hmm. I figured I, it had something to do with that. I I googled blue erotic erotic color blue, and of course I got a bunch of weird responses. Like <laughs> so, okay, thank you. Um, but I was like, is that blue is the warmest color? I, I don't right. know. Well, oh, I wonder if that was intentional. Then this is yeah, probably because everything's intentional. Anyway, maybe. Although that is a translation. That's true. It's so from French. Else, a different language. Yeah. But um, also another similar thing on March 11th for the New York Times crossword puzzle by Leslie Rogers, 19 down. It was like a bunch of characters, like a percentage sign, dollar sign, pound sign, and at sign, pound sign, and sign, exclamation point, which I, that's like, for me, those are things that you do to replace curse words when you're typing. Right. Like a keyboard slam almost. Or yeah. yeah like. Or to, you know. Yeah, replace out curse words. But then the answer was oaths. Oaths. So I don't know. You got us, Leslie. Yeah. You got us. You got us good. If anybody knows what the heck that means, can you please explain it to us? We like to be educated. Yes, please. We like to learn. Mm -hmm. I think the big one, though, Grace, that you and I texted about uh, is from... (laughs) This is from the Saturday, March 6th, New York Times by Sid Sivakumar. Love Sid's puzzles. They're amazing. Um, I like this puzzle specifically a lot. But this confused the crap out of both Grace and I. Um, and we were like, what the heck is this? So if you know what the hell this is, please let us know. 13 down. Buses near Paddington Station? Question mark. And the answer was snogs. And snogs means to, like kiss, like to kiss somebody in British slang. Is buses another slang for kiss? I didn't look this one up. I tried to look it up, and I couldn't figure out what buses meant, if, if it was like an English piece of slang. Uh, let us know. We have some listeners who live in England. so Yes, please, please let us know what the heck this means. Um, speaking of listeners that uh, live in England, um, I actually want to shout out to one of our listeners, Bruce, who wrote to us. Thanks, Bruce, for writing. Um First time we heard from Bruce, and he was kind of questioning whether or not a story I told was, uh, in fact, true. It is, in fact, true. So I'm going to share that story here. <laughs> he wasn't um, aggressive about it, though, which you're no, making no, no. it. <laughs> no, 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 not at all. Um, I thought he was very nice. Uh, thanks for writing. But Bruce wrote to ask uh, if I had actually eaten an emu egg in the past. Um, and I feel like there are probably lots of people out there who have eaten emu eggs or ostrich eggs. But... Upon receiving Bruce's email, I immediately got nervous that I shouldn't have said that on like live on air. I was like, oh, my God, are emus like endangered? Are they illegal? So I was like frantically Googling. Apparently, emu eggs, people eat them all the time or, you know, not as often as chicken eggs. But yes, I have eaten an emu egg. I was probably like anywhere from like nine to 13 years old, got together with family at an Easter, you know, thing at my aunt's house. My uncle was known for bringing really fun, interesting food products 
for this celebration. And this year, he happened to just walk in with this massive, as I recall, black egg. And it was huge, the biggest egg I've ever seen in my life. And he was like, this is an emu egg. And at this point in my life, I had no idea what the heck an emu was. And he said, it's basically an ostrich. Which, I mean, if you're trying to explain to, like, a nine-year-old kid what an emu egg is when you don't have a smartphone to just Google emu right away, I think, you know, it's basically an ostrich. It's a pretty good, <laughs> you know, write-off. Um, That's how I would so, describe it. Yeah. And with so legs. he made a big omelet out of it, and I remember liking it. Um, and One emu I, egg yeah. can feed an entire family. I think it's, it's like, equivalent to ten chicken eggs. So, yeah. Wow. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But uh, after Googling emu eggs, um, I realized that the egg was not black. It was actually a deep blue, but it looked black to me. Or at least that's what my memory conjured for me. Anyway, so that was a, a nice little note we received. And that's one of our listeners in England. Uh, if you have any idea what that crossword clue meant, please write back. Thank you very, very much. Speaking of gigantic eggs, there was something on Reddit. Someone posted a picture of a gigantic or a chicken egg with another chicken egg inside of it. It was like, look, my chicken hatched this egg and there's a mini egg inside. And the top comment was, ouch, my cloaca hurts just looking at this. <laughs> That's where the egg comes out of it in a chicken. So I want to say emus probably have really big cloacas. You gotta love it. I have a hit. Um, from okay. the USA Today crossword on March 6th by Evan Kalish, 42 mm-hmm. Down, I Knew I Smelled a Blank, song from Ratatouille the Musical. I Knew I Smelled a Rat? Yes. Oh my god. I haven't seen much about the Ratatouille musical, but it's a thing. Well, they made it into a real... They made it. Yeah, yeah we, we need to watch that, but anyway, shout out to Evan. A friend love of it, the Evan. podcast. Thank uh, you. We love to see that in there. We're just going to pretend that he put that in there for us. I certainly will. If you don't know, uh, TikTok, there was like a huge period of time where TikTok was basically writing an entire Broadway musical to Ratatouille, which is not a musical movie. Right. And it started out as a meme, as just a joke. And then, you know, it got on to theater TikTok and the theater kids took it. And let me tell you, they ran with it. And now it's actually on Broadway. So well, follow your dreams, kids. It's not on. I don't know what no. they did. I feel like it's, I think it's a Broadway production. Yes. It's a Broadway production, but yeah, obviously it's not like on the stage. I wonder if it will be on the stage at some point. Someone will on Broadway or off. Someone will make like an indie version of it. Yes. Let me see. What do I got here? I feel like I had some, I really liked this, the puzzles this week in general. So yay constructors. They were great. I'm trying to figure out where do I want to start? Oh, I loved the Monday, March 9th, New Yorker by Natan last I always love Natan's puzzles. There's a lot of like literary references, which is like exactly what I like for my um, inner nerd or just bookophile, whatever you would call me. Um, but some really great cluing and answers. 19 across birthstone question mark was home planet. Very good. What about, oh, 28 down offered some hindsight question mark. And the answer is mooned amazing uh 44 across places to buy false thumbs magic shops i love that and then we love to see it uh 14 down disturbing comment from a tour guide or from a guide the answer was we're lost yes (laughs) that would be in fact very disturbing um and then my favorite from the puzzle the answer is 
you know, pretty simple, crossword ease even, but it's the clue sometimes that just seals the deal, you know? Mm-hmm. 51 across, famously double booked ship, question mark. The answer was Ark, as in Noah's Ark. Just very nice. Very nice. I also really like that puzzle, and I had a lot of those as my hits, but another additional one, 50 across, one likely to vote for a third party, question mark. Oh, what was the answer? Social butterfly. Yes. Very good. Very good. I also really liked the theme from the Monday, March 10th New York Times by Nancy Stark and Will Nettiger. Uh The revealer was 54 across. Warning you might give before revealing the endings of 20, 29, and 45 across. The answer was spoiler alert. And so the themed clues, the answers would basically... Let me just read it to you. I can't explain it. Mm-hmm. 29 across. Start of a saying about negative influence. And the answer is one bad apple. And the way you finish that phrase is one bad apple spoils the bunch. And so a warning you might give before revealing the ending of 29 across is spoiler alert, which is just cute. So I like that one. 20 across. Start of a saying about getting in the way. Too many cooks will spoil the broth. I always think mm-hmm. of that video. Have you seen that? <laughs> I don't know that. I don't know. Someone made like a fake 90s theme song to a 90s show called Too Many Cooks. Too many cooks, too many cooks. It goes on for like 20 minutes and they just sing that song. Anyways, Amazing. highly recommended if you want to go back in time to what used to be funny on the internet. All right. Still funny, some might argue. I liked the March 5th New Yorker by Robin Weintraub. 21 across synonym of obsessive that you probably shouldn't Google at work anal definitely don't google that at work and then 42 down website that doesn't get many visitors question mark the attic or just attic get it i love that spider webs so good good. you know what i learned from that puzzle i thought this was kind of cool um 32 down mit mystery blank annual puzzle competition the answer was hunt so then i looked it up of course so the mit mystery hunt if you're really into puzzles, you might already know that this exists, but it's essentially like an annual puzzle hunt that is hosted on the MIT campus every year. And the winner of the puzzle hunt gets to construct the puzzles for the next year. And it kind of is like a scavenger hunt and you do puzzles and you have to find like whatever it's called. I think it's like a coin is like a hidden thing that you have to find somewhere on the campus. Um, mm-hmm. And it looks amazing. Something that if I was smarter, I would like to do, but maybe one day, Grace, if we're feeling confident, that's something we could do. Go all the way to MIT. Yeah, I mean. Okay, money bags. <laughs> it's true. What else you got, Grace? What else? Uh, the March 9th New York Times by Simon Murat. Moreau. Uh, 17 across. They often come out at night. It was false, false teeth. teeth. It's so good. It was so good. Yeah. Honestly, I mean, sometimes it'd be nice to just be able to, like, have the option of teeth. And not have to floss them every night. You know, I floss really. I have I have issues with my teeth. Anyways, I'm not going to go into that. But the struggle. I sometimes wish I could just like take off my skin and like hang it up at night. That's and an interesting sleep in, concept. Like, a warm bath. Ooh, and not ah. have to worry about it. And not have to worry about getting wrinkled. I think that's the only thing. Is eventually you start feeling your skin start pruning up, but the moments like before your skin starts pruning, it's amazing. I would, I would like yeah. to... Sorry, maybe send it to like a dry cleaning type thing and then mm. get it fresh in the morning. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Amazing. I have... That's all I've got. That's all I've got. Should we, you know, flip the coin? 
Let's flip the coin. Okay. I it's going to be. I wonder, I wonder, the 5th of November. Anyway, that's an inside joke that you guys wouldn't get. <laughs> I feel like most people do know remember, remember the 5th of November. <laughs> but we think it's extra funny for different reasons. Yes. Um, true. Okay, I'm flipping the coin now. <gasps> it's Tails. <gasps> Little old me? Little old Grace Ella. Okay. My clue was one of your hits, actually, from the March 8th New Yorker by Natan Last. 19 across. Mm. Birthstone, question mark. (gasps) Home planet. Yes. But I know that was a play on words, but I'm doing my topic on births, actual birthstones. Very nice. Gemstones, which do come up in crosswords a lot. Namely they do, opal. actually. Yes, that's the one we that shows We all know up opal is a birthstone of October. Okay. <laughs> we get it. <laughs> <clears throat> all right. So birthstones, they are the perfect gift for any occasion. Um, <laughs> unless, you know, someone who was born in August, because then their birthstone is peridot, which is lime green, which I love lime green, but not for fine jewelry. No. Sorry. You know I mean, Mm-mm. but where do birthstones come from? Do you know? Do you know um, they, they come from the ground, usually. Technically, yes. Would you believe me if I say they may have started from biblical times? I would believe you because you no I reason. trust everything you say. Yes, as you should. Well, okay, the birthstones that we know today come from a list curated in like 1912 by the Jewelers of America. But Makes the history sense. does go back to biblical times. So, okay. The biblical Aaron, who was the older brother of Moses, wore a bedazzled breastplate with gemstones representing the 12 tribes of Israel, and the gems were arranged in four rows and set in gold. So this was all in the book of Exodus, which was probably written in 600 to 400 BC. Aaron was the first high priest of the Hebrews. He was responsible for memorializing the names of the 12 tribes before the Lord upon his own two shoulders. So he made a nice little breastplate to do that. Makes sense. His ceremonial costume consisted of a linen tunic spun with gold threads and a floor-length tasseled robe. So serving looks. Uh, I would wear that today, actually. So, And then on the breastplate were the precious stones inscribed with the names of the 12 tribes. Hmm. Now... Over centuries, the translations from the original Hebrew text and also like the increase in understanding of mineral compositions of stones and, you know, how there's more than one red stone. Um, There are different possible combinations of the stones that were on the breastplate. So there's not like no one knows for sure, but one of the more commonly accepted arrangements of the stones, there were four, four rows from top to bottom, are ruby, topaz, and emerald, turquoise, sapphire, and diamond, jacinth, agate and amethyst beryl onyx and jasper now you may hmm. recognize some of these as some of today's birthstones except mm-hmm. peridot that was added later by someone who hates people born in august <laughs> uh is someone who's born in august a little bitter tonight <laughs> no not that i know of so the first academic research of the breastplate was carried out by a jewish roman scholar titus flavius josephus Amazing dude name. what a name yeah in the first century, and Josephus realized that the number 12 has a huge significance and it was popping up all over the place. So there were the 12 stones in the breastplate. There were 12 gemstones mentioned in the book of Revelation. There were the 12 sons of Israel. There were the 12 signs of the zodiac. And of course, the 12 months in the Roman calendar year. So he it's was the first one who together. Really, yeah, brought together like, okay, there's 12 gemstones, 12 months in the year. Okay, okay. 
In the Middle Ages in Europe, people would wear gemstones, sometimes referencing the, be- the breastplate of Aaron as charms of luck, divination, and also to cast evil spells. Um, I'm here for that. Super rich people would wear all 12 at the same time, like Aaron, to flex on oh, everyone. Oh, okay. Weird flex, but okay. <laughs> it's said that 16th century Queen of France, Catherine de Medici, wore a belt adorned with 12 gemstones, each carved into talismans. Catherine de Medici would wear that belt yes and that's a fact um it wasn't until the 18th century that stones got assigned to specific birth months and they don't know exactly where this started according to some scholars they think the tradition started in poland Hmm. but the problem was that there wasn't a definitive list of what gemstone went to which month there never is 1912 (laughs) when the national association of jewelers in america realized that they should put together a list and basically make money off of selling these gemstones people which were a lot of times cheaper to get than some other more precious like right diamonds even though diamond is a birthstone but right anyways, um, it was just yeah hashtag capitalism exactly it was a marketing <laughs> ploy and i want to this was mostly in america and western countries i think britain has a different list um mm. but other like eastern countries have their own stones that they associate with like the zodiac or with months with a religious calendar etc cool but this list that they made has remained relatively unchanged. Some months do have new stones. Um, so, like some months have two stones, but August is one of them. But I'm a traditionalist. I go by the traditional paradox <laughs> and I'm upset by it. What's the new stone? Are you going to get into it? No, I don't talk about the new stones. Oh, okay. It's like a reddish color. I forget what it is, okay. um, which is nice. But it's like, I mean, everyone just knows the lime green is August. So whatever. <laughs> So I'm going to go through each month and talk about the stone, but I also wanted to like add a little something else in the mix. And I was trying to look up um, like statistics on birth months, you know, like certain correlations between being born in certain months. And I found a really interesting uh, research study done at the University of Columbia in New York, where they took like all these medical records and saw if there were any correlations between birth months and certain like health issues oh okay shiza keep in mind this was done just in new york so it was you know a smaller Mm. sample of the population but it was too complicated for what i wanted to do here very interesting though all i have to say is if you were born in july you are very lucky you're gucci good to go you're born in november i'm sorry remember remember the 5th of november bitch um that was like a more like what's the word legitimate research i didn't use that instead i used an article on businessinsider.com called here's how your birth month affects the rest of your life by ashley lutz where they list out certain correlations for different birth months okay she did have sources i don't know how real they are take everything here with a grain of salt some of them are we're having fun tonight okay we're having fun all right oh and all my gemstone information comes from the rare gemstone company.com the, the definitive guide to birthstones by nikki thomas thank you nikki yes so january mm-hmm. is garnet and garnet is derived from the latin word garantum meaning seed because the crystals resemble the red color from the pomegranate fruit garnets are very pretty yes i would love to have been born in january um but alas so garnets have been used in jewelry for centuries some have been as found as far back as 3000 or 3100 bc egypt so that is a long time ago that people have been using garnets asiatic warriors believe that glowing garnets 
inflicted more severe wounds when they were used as bullets. So they would be putting garnets in their bullets. And okay. in medieval times, it was said that garnets could protect its wearer against bad dreams and poisons. Not only hmm. that, but they cured depression, relieved fever, hemorrhages, and inflammatory diseases. So I got to get myself a garnet. You do. <laughs> you don't trust big pharma. <laughs> get yourself a garnet. Okay. But according to that other article, people in January are statistically more likely to have Alzheimer's, Crohn's disease, and epilepsy. Gotta love it. Yeah. Okay, so moving on to February. Yes. <laughs> That's you. Me. Amethyst. That's amethyst. Yes. Ooh. An amethyst color can range from a faint violet mauve to a rich, deep purple. Beautiful. It's very gorgeous. The ancient Greeks and Romans believed that it would ward off the intoxicating powers of Bacchus, the Greek god of the wine and harvest making. So, Why would could... you ever want to wo- to fend him off? Well, I'm thinking maybe it could prevent <laughs> hangovers. Or, like, getting too drunk. Oh, okay. Should I wear my amethyst ring from now on? (laughs) Maybe you need to. In the Middle Ages, it was seen as a symbol of royalty. And the ancient Saint Valentine, the patron of love, wore an amethyst ring carved with a cupid. Oh. My. Adorable. God. Okay. I need that. I need to call my jeweler now. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, okay. So people born in February are likely to grow up to be artists which does Mm. mix well with aquarius because they're very contrarian Mm -hmm. Mm. but also more prone to narcolepsy Ah. i don't know this is supposedly because babies born in this month prefer the evening hours as a result of lack of exposure to sunlight in utero and in their first few months of life i have read about babies born in winter months Mm -hmm. or babies that were in utero during winter months are more likely to have like you know depression growing up and things like that uh for sure that is a common basically the sun has everything to do with it which why take with a grain of salt because i mean hello i was conceived and born in miami florida and in august so i got sun all year (laughs) round baby i literally hate the sun uh, (laughs) and i'm a february baby so it checks out (laughs) oh okay march is aquamarine with its pale blue-green tones, it's derived from the Latin word aqua, meaning water, and marina, meaning sea. So Ooh. because this has a lot of sea-related beliefs and traditions, it is known as the sailor's gem. And it was believed to protect sailors from the perils of sea and guarantee a safe voyage. Mm. Emperor Nero is said to have used it as an eyeglass 2,000 years ago. And okay. it was used back in the day in glasses to correct vision. So the German word for glasses is... Um, Brila, and I, I looked. This is one that I looked up. Uh, okay, which is derived from beryl, which is the mother stone of aquamarine. You may remember beryl is one of Aaron's stone in his breastplate, and it is also the mother stone of another gemstone we'll talk about. So, oh, okay. You could have had aquamarine glasses, which would be pretty dope. Mm. Okay, but if you're born in March, you are more likely to get asthma. Scientists believe this because mothers are deprived of vitamin D which comes from the sun, while the kids are in the womb, hindering respiratory development mm-hmm. at that time. Take your vitamin D, folks. If you're mm-hmm. not getting sun, take the pills. I'm telling you. It's and good for up. the joints, too. Yeah, <laughs> shut your big mouth. My joints start aching me, and I'm like, oh, I have to get more vitamin D, because I truly, I, I, I avoid the sun at all costs. And so... She is a vampire. Yes. I'm admitting here live that I am a vampire. <laughs> All right, next we have April, who thinks that they're better than everyone else because their gemstone is the diamond. 
Ugh. First of all, <laughs> it's like good and bad because it is a cool stone, but also mm-hmm. it's like expensive. You know, right? I'm not gonna buy my my nephew's born in April. I'm not buying him any diamond Mm-mm. anything. Sorry, buddy. You want to appreciate that? He's one. Um. <clears throat> okay, so the diamond, everyone knows, it's the hardest natural mineral on the planet. They've been treasured throughout history. Blah blah blah. Ancient Romans and Greeks believed that they were the tears of the gods, or possibly even splinters that had broken off of falling stars. I love what? that actually. According to the other article, if you were born in April, <laughs> you were more likely to become an alcoholic. Oh, woof. Sucks to be you, I guess. <laughs> that doesn't seem real, but whatever. Okay. Yeah. Who knows? Next, we have May. Emerald. Probably my favorite. I wish... Uh, oh emerald God. is like a rich, dark green, also variety of barrel, like aquamarine. And mm-hmm. we love to see dark green and jewelry. It just goes so well, as opposed to, say, a lime green, <laughs> you know? <laughs> And also, like, if you guys don't know, because you've never come over to our YouTube, check out our YouTube, Grace and I are very pale. We work well with gems, like, uh, like... Jewel tones. Jewel tones, you know? So, like, reds, like, dark reds, and even, like, some purple or, you know, dark green. Like, those colors look really great with our skin tone. Um, I can I can tell you that if you put a piece of lime green near my face, it's not... It's not going to jive. I think lime green could be okay if it was deep enough. I actually, I like lime green as a color. Green's my favorite color, if you were wondering. But um, no one asked. But just in jewelry. Anyways, I, I, I've said too much. So, green is also my the, favorite color. So green do we have to fight later? Too? Yeah. We can. What color's your couch? Gray. And my couch <laughs> is going to be green. Anyways. <laughs> oh, back to emeralds. Oh, I could climb through the... the- <laughs> The Zoom. Nerve, <laughs> listeners. Emerald is thought to be Cleopatra's favorite gem and the sacred stone of the Roman goddess Venus, who is the goddess of love and beauty. And in the yes. Middle Ages, they were believed to hold the power to forecast the future. Oh my God, I love this. So, May babies, you may have a beautiful stone, but you are also more susceptible to diabetes and glaucoma. So, Ooh, sucks. <laughs> you win some and you lose some. <laughs> We can't all be perfect, okay? Um, now we have June, mm, the pearl. Mm-hmm. Ooh, pearls are pretty. Pearls are pretty. They are created in certain species of mollusks in mollusks. either fresh or saltwater, um, fresh or seawater. When a sand particle or rock fragment is trapped inside the shell and it irritates the mollusk inside, the mollusk coats the particles in layers of a shell. And then humans are like, knock, knock. Wow, that's beautiful. That'd make a beautiful ring. Open <laughs> Let me up. Just take that. Um. <laughs> They're like, couldn't you have gotten that earlier before I had to make this whole shell around it? Yeah, it's like having something in your tooth and you can't get it out. But, you know, mollusks figured out a way to make it work and we're over here just flossing yeah and they looked good doing it so the ancient greeks believed that wearing pearls would uphold marital happiness Hmm. and early chinese myths told of pearls falling from the sky when dragons fought love that that would be nice Mm -hmm. okay so if you're born in june you're likely to have vision problems however june has the highest number of Nobel prize winners and ceos june is that gemini is it? I, I believe it's Gemini. Keep talking. I'll look it up. Okay. Um, yeah. I mean, once we get into the summer months, things are gravy. Things start looking good from there. <laughs> it's thanks to that sun. So, yes, June is um, Gemini, Gemini, which makes sense for why there's so many CEOs. 
because yes. Donald they Trump say, is a Gemini. Yes, they say that uh, a lot of serial killers are Geminis, uh, which makes sense um, because you can't have a moral compass. And then also <laughs> to be a CEO, you might not have to have a moral compass either. Um, well, but this is not an anti-capitalist crossword or uh, crossword podcast. <laughs> just because you're a Gemini doesn't mean you're horrible. I'm sure that there are nice Geminis out oh, there. Oh, that's true. That's true. But we're just looking at patterns here. Looking at patterns. You cannot argue against the statistics of this <laughs> article that I read. It's okay. true. So Business insider, have... baby. Sorry. Continue. <laughs> July, the ruby. I was thinking, you know, since I don't like my birthstone, I was like, well, what are my parents' birthstones? We have the garnet and the ruby. So we're red. Amazing. Anyways. Lots of red. July is the ruby. July, er, rubies have the highest price per carat than any other colored gemstone. So if you don't have a diamond, this is the most expensive one to get. And it is the second hardest uh, material after diamond. Hmm. So it's okay. there. Hmm. Thailand and Burma both consider ruby their national stone, and they're known for producing a lot of them. Hmm. Its name is derived from the Latin word ruber, meaning red, and this was once used to describe all red-colored stones, including spinal, red tourmaline, red garnet, causing much confusion in gem history, <laughs> hence the confusion about what's exactly on Aaron's plates, and it's uh, also why many famous rubies have since been reclassified to not be rubies at all. <gasps> Who knew? Shock. Honey, I was shocked. In the Middle Ages, they were used by royalty to repel evil because it was believed to have magical powers, getting darker in color in the presence of evil. Gotta love it. And then July babies also have bad eyesight, but are more likely to have an optimistic outlook in life than those born in colder months. <laughs> Must be nice to be a summer baby. That's cancers. Yeah. No, cancers? Are, are cancers July? Yes. Oh, you're right. But it makes sense because cancers are very, can be, you know, they see the best in people. They do. To their own right. detriment sometimes. But don't let's not get started on astrology. We yeah, we can't get into Zodiac. That might be a different episode. All right, next we have August Peridot, one of the oldest known gemstones. It is brought to the surface during volcanic eruptions. And some Peridot has even been found in meteorites. Grace, it might not be the best color, but that's freaking cool. It is cool, though that is how some other gems are found as well. Oh, um, boring. It was first mined by ancient Egyptians. It's known to be the gem of the sun. And some believed it would protect them from terrors of the night, which I need. During the Middle <laughs> Ages, it was thought to ward off evil spirits. So it has its, maybe I just, this is a journey for me. I need to learn to love the Peridot. It just needs to be like a touch darker than it is. Because yeah. it it's not even lime green. It's like puke green. I, it's like, no, it's more lime than chartreuse. I would like chartreuse. Okay. Anyway, continue. People born in August, more likely to struggle in school. They're 30% more likely than children born in September to be labeled as the, quote, problem students by teachers, according to the UK Institute for Fiscal Studies. And that's because, hello, we're the youngest in the class. All right. true. I was 17 when I went into college. Some people were, like, turning 19. Their were you 17, year. really? Yes. I turned 18 uh, in August. So your parents put you into school early. They didn't hold you back for the next yes. year. But it worked out for me. Um, I think me so. And Barack Obama would say that everything worked out for us. He's another August baby. <laughs> Shout out to him. But because sometimes August kids don't succeed in school or, or have more difficulty in school, they're more likely to pursue vocational careers. Interesting. But it makes sense. I mean, when you see a kid, like how much they change month to month, like a kid born in August of one year is going to be way different than someone born in September who's like oh, basically a whole year older. Right. Speaking of September, their birthstone is sapphire, traditionally so a deep pretty. blue, though it does come in other colors. 
Um, Sapphire has always been a popular stone, seen as a symbol of heaven and a guardian of innocence, a sign of nobility that's been on robes, ring, brooches of royalty since the beginning of time. I thought this was kind of funny. Apparently, sapphires are worn, were worn by priests as protection from impure thoughts and temptation. And it was really? believed that a stone's color would darken if worn by an adulterer. So, ladies, get your partner a sapphire and check okay. to see if it changes colors. Okay. Um, but kids born in September, they are the highest school achievers because they are the oldest in their classes and they're more likely to go to college and pursue a professional career. Do you see what this is, though? It's like if kids feel like they're smarter than everyone else, then they will be smarter than everyone else. Versus if a kid feels like they're constantly struggling, they're never good enough, they're just going to keep telling them that to themselves. Well, that's confirmation bias. So yeah. you're right, going to so believe what you see. You're going to see what you're looking to s- what you're looking for. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Law of attraction. <laughs> Next manifestation have, praying all of the things continue october opal crossword use for you uh opal is derived from greek opalos meaning to see a change in color because opals change colors as you move the stone around they're kind of like iridescent they're so gorgeous i love opals they it's were like great. a really iridescent pearl you know like when you think of like the color pearl yeah but anyway i it love a good nice. opal That's, Lily has opals, so maybe I'll get her a gigantic opal brooch that she can wear to daycare. (laughs) So opals were greatly valued by the Romans as they thought it was the most powerful gem of all because it contains the colors of all the other gems. Makes sense. Okay. It checks out to me. The ancient (laughs) Greeks believed that they held the gift of prophecy and Arabic legends tell of them falling from the sky during thunderstorms and containing lightning. All right. And if you're October baby... You also might live longer. On average, people born in October live 160 days longer than those born in the spring, likely because they received optimum amount of sunlight during pregnancy. It all comes back to that vitamin D, folks. It does. All right, now, the sad month of November. I'm sorry. <laughs> so November, the stone is topaz. I love this stone, too. Um, very orange pretty. topaz is the traditional November birthstone, but it also can come in a variety of different colors. In India, it's believed that if a topaz was worn above one's heart, it would guarantee intelligence, a long life, and beauty. Mm. Can't go wrong with that. Mm-mm. During the Renaissance in Europe, people believed that a topaz could break evil spells. I would love to have been alive. Actually, no, I wouldn't have. But <laughs> Don't you just wish that like, we were talking about evil spells and warding off evil and shit? I wish. Gems? We could be. We're running we in the can, wrong we circles. Can be. Yeah, no. We, different, we need different friends. All right. But sadly, November... Uh, most likely to be pessimists. Scientists in a 2005 Swedish study theorized that this is because they're deprived of dopamine that comes with exposure to sunlight during in utero and after birth. Because, I mean, they're born in November, so they have a couple months of cold ahead of them. Mm-hmm. The study surveyed 30,000 people on how lucky they felt in November babies ranked the lowest. Oh. And also, t- November babies are Scorpios, so yeah. they're just looking for on the dark side of things. And to add insult to injury, more serial killers are born in this month than any other. Ooh, okay. Yeah. Um, don't be a serial killer if you're out there listening. Try really hard not November, to be, please. Or yeah. any other month. <laughs> and finally, uh, we've arrived at December turquoise. So turquoise has been admired since ancient times. Um, it's known for its d- distinct color, which ranges from powdery blue to a greenish robin's egg. I think we all know what turquoise stones look like. Mm-hmm. Ancient Persia was the traditional source for sky blue turquoise gemstones, and that's why sometimes the color is called Persian blue. Mm, you ever heard that? Okay. Mm-hmm. 
and from ancient Egyptians to Persians, Aztecs, Native Americans, kings and warriors alike um, admired turquoise for thousands of years. It was in jewelry, ceremonial masks, weapons, bridles, anything you could ask for. Okay. People born in December, more likely to have asthma or allergies. It's because they're born during peak cold and flu seasons. So if they get one of those infections so soon in life, it could cause permanent damage, making them more susceptible to other respiratory issues later in life. And Damn. on that positive note, that's my uh, that's my gemstone. So if you were Ooh. born in any of those months and any of those whatever fake stereotypes or statistics apply to you please let us know we would love to hear about your your ailments <laughs> yes you don't have to disclose anything to us but if you want to of course we're here our yes. dms are open please come on by moving right along my topic comes from the saturday march 6 new york times by sid sivakumar 18 across event whose organizers are concerned with brand recognition question mark oh what was this rodeo rodeo i was gonna do this as a topic like before i thought about it um yes i was thinking this would be something grace could be drawn to depending but we had so many good options this week it's one of those weeks where you just have so many different things you could possibly pick and then Mm -hmm. uh, you're like please show up again in a crossword so i could do you um but yeah so i'm doing rodeo today Uh, have you ever been to a rodeo i don't think so uh no I haven't either. I feel like a rodeo is something that you would go to, given the chance. Absolutely, I would. Yeah. Um, it just screams something that you would be like, hey, I found this Groupon. It's like 20 bucks for a rodeo ticket out in, you know, at the Rosemont Theater or we some shit. We have to shit. drive two hours, but I think it'll be fine. And I'm going to buy, like, cowboy boots. Yes. <laughs> yes. That's exactly. If we listeners ever go to a rodeo together, we'll let you know. Um, I've only ever seen rodeos in films, I think. Or like on TV or something like that. So I really went into this topic knowing nothing. Just thinking that like there's like cowboys dressed like clowns. Like that's the only thing that I could think of. That's more like bullfighting. Maybe. No, but there are also rodeo clowns. Right. Anyways, I guess, well, it's your topic. Take it away. Here, take it away, Ernie. Okay, so uh, let's see. Let's see. So where do rodeos come from? What's the deal? We're going to start all the way back in the 16th century. Yes, folks, that is the 1500s, in case you get confused like I do sometimes. Um, why are we starting in the, 1600, the 16th century? Well, horses first arrived in Mexico in 1519. Uh, with a colonizer named Hernando Cortez. You may know of him as the villain from the film uh, Road to El Dorado, um, (laughs) if you've ever seen that film. Uh, And then in 1521, Spanish cattle arrived in Mexico. So then Spanish expeditions kind of moved through Mexico and they moved further north uh, and they they transplanted this cattle and these horses to what is today known as the American Southwest. This gave birth to the vaquero, which is basically the Mexican cowboy, a herdsman, a mounted herdsman on Mm -hmm. a horse from the Spanish colonial period. Before getting more into like rodeo, we have to talk about the cattle industry because it's the cattle industry that gave birth to rodeo. Mm -hmm. In deep South Texas, the environment is really good for raising cattle that's exactly what i have written in my notes i don't understand why it's good for raising cattle i can't really get too much into it Warm, but it's good for tumbleweeds they like that 
they like dirt, I guess. I don't know. Um, so by the 16th and 1700s, Spanish Mexican settlements and ranches were popping up all over, especially in areas like the lower Rio Grande. If you're looking at Texas, like a picture of Texas, uh, the deep south Texas or, you know, the lower Rio Grande is the very bottom tip of mm-hmm. the state. Okay. Uh, and then, so that was in the 16 and 1700s when we start seeing these cattle ranches pop up. Uh, And then in the 1800s, the first Anglo-American settlers were moving into Texas. Previously, Texas was a Spanish colony, right? So we start seeing these settlers arrive to Texas, uh, and then we start seeing this really beautiful blending of Anglo and Spanish-Mexican cultures. Remember the vaqueros I mentioned earlier, the Mexican cowboys? cowboys. Mm -hmm. Yes. They were hugely influential to the development of what we know as the American cowboy. Essentially, uh, they basically contributed many skills, many terminologies, many pieces of equipment to the American cowboys. The American cowboys learned everything that they knew from the vaquero, which is kind of cool. So, for instance, they learned about riding, roping, branding. The vaquero gave them rope, saddle spurs, chaps. And then even the word rodeo in Spanish, it's a Spanish word that means to round up. Mm-hmm. to round up the cattle, okay? After the end of the Civil War in 1865, there was a huge market for beef in the East. Uh, and so you couple this with the Spanish-Mexican knowledge of riding, roping, herding, branding, the fact that herding cattle was suddenly a very enticing job to a lot of young men. Uh, think adventure, independence, seeing places you've never seen before, meeting people from different cultures, right? Brokeback Mountain. Brokeback Mountain, etc. Uh, And then, of course, the birth of the railroad. You take all of these factors, and this leads to the explosion of the cattle industry. I mean, it's like like a match made in heaven. It was meant to happen. It was meant to happen. Not to cows, but... No, sadly. To society. To society, right. So ranchers would organize these massive cattle drives where cowboys would herd cattle from their ranches in Texas all the way to stockyards in places as far away as Kansas City. Uh, And then railways would carry the cattle eastward to, like, become beef, whatever. These poor cows are like, God damn it, I just walked all the way over here and I have to get on a train (laughs) to die? They're like, what is this shit? Yeah, no. They're like, I did not sign up for this. Sorry. Um, Yeah, so this was a period of time of, like, when open range grazing was happening, which is exactly what it sounds like. Cattle herds grazing out on the open plains unregulated Mm -hmm. until the invention of barbed wire, which happened in the 1870s. Before that, it was more practical to fence in areas to keep cattle out than it was to fence areas to keep cattle in. Mm -hmm. But with the invention of barbed wire, you could start fencing cattle in and kind of like stopping them from overgrazing certain plains. So it was like a way to, you know, industrialize the industry a little bit. Mm Mm-hmm. So once these fences started popping up all over the plains, little communities started popping up known as cow towns, okay? So cowboys would meet with other cowboys in these cow towns, mm. either during their herding season, broke up mountain, right? Um, they were all really good friends. <laughs> they, like, held hands sometimes out in the open plains. Don't ask questions. Anyway, yes, yeah, so cowboys were meeting up in cow towns, okay, at the end of their season or at the end of their trails. You know, they just dropped the cattle off at the the railways are like, bye, honey, have fun at school. Uh, and so then they would have these like unofficial competitions where they would compete for unofficial titles of like best bucking horse rider or best roper, etc. 
Mm-hmm. These sort of impromptu meetups and competitions turned into more formal events, especially around holidays like 4th of July. Uh, and it would give cowboys a chance to challenge the riding and roping skills of cowboys from other ranches. You know, you got your rival ranches together and you're like, I'm going to show you that I'm a better roper than you. And he's like, I'm going to show you I'm a better brander than you. You know, machismo, whatever. Mm-hmm. The decline of open-range grazing also meant that there was less work for cowboys, actually. Not only that, but being a cowboy was kind of a seasonal job as it was. So what do these out-of-work cowboys do? Well, they joined up with Wild West shows, okay? You knew it was coming. Wild West shows were starting to pop up in the late 1800s. It was like... Annie Oakley. Annie Oakley. It was a, it was a natural evolution to this point, right? The first ever Wild West show was hosted by a man named William F. Cody. You may know him by another name, Buffalo Bill. Okay. Yeah, he's in Annie Get Your Gun. He's like the narrator. Yes. Big deal. Big deal. Uh, so, yeah, he first hosted it in a place called North Platte, Nebraska on July 4th, 1882. And he is now known as the father of modern rodeo. Thank you, Buffalo Bill. The Wild West shows were a combination of theater and live competition where people would make money and also glamorize the american frontier essentially it was like a western vaudeville Mm -hmm. the shows would depict slash stereotype slash romanticize the frontier specifically cowboys indigenous people army scouts outlaws wild animals you name it oh Um, god i do not want to know what they did for indigenous people yeah i'm not getting too far into that because it's it's a wild west show has broad rodeo elements but it's not technically a rodeo Mm -hmm. but yeah um it's horrible. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> a lot of the performances at these Wild West shows are based on true stories, but other events could either be entirely fictional or entirely sensationalized. And as we just discussed, like you already know it, indigenous people in particular were portrayed in sensationalistic and, you know, exploited, exploitative manners, mm-hmm. sadly. Um, but one plus Wild West shows were not just for men. Some famous women were involved in Wild West shows. Uh, such as Phoebe Ann Moses Butler, today known as Annie Oakley, the sharpshooter, okay? The the woman, the myth, the legend. Yeah. So Wild West shows led to exhibitions of rodeo skills in the East, eventually into Europe, and by 1890s, rodeo had become a spectator event and a legitimate sport. Look at that. Can you believe it? Uh, a little bit more about rodeo becoming a legitimate sport. Uh, In 1929, the Rodeo Association of America was founded by a bunch of managers and producers. Uh, It was basically formed to start regulating the sport and make money off of it, of course. Uh, And as of 1975, it is known as the Professional Rodeo Cowboy Association, uh, and their rules are accepted by most rodeos nowadays. So... Uh, and then at the turn of the 21st century, there are, were at least 600 PRCA-sanctioned rodeos held annually across 40 U.S. states and three Canadian provinces. Because rodeo is huge in Canada, too, which I thought was random. But, hey, get it to it, you know? Makes sense. Yes. So now Lots that we land. know... Yeah, and I think they had ranching, too. Like, cattle grazing and stuff. <laughs> I'm sure they did. So now we know some basic history of rodeo. <laughs> uh, I'm going to talk about like what the heck actually happens at a rodeo. Please since do. Grace and I have never been there. Um, so a contemporary rodeo typically has five main events. They are saddle bronc riding, calf roping, bareback 
bronc riding, steer wrestling, and bull riding. Mm. The first two, so saddle bronc riding and calf roping, uh, represent a more authentic look uh, into what rodeos were like in the 19th century. And the last three, which are bareback bronc riding, steer wrestling, and bull riding, are feats that were invented by daring rodeo stars and cowboys in the 20th century. So they're not really traditional. They're just showing off. Exactly. So competitions are broken up into two categories. They're either judged, also known as rough stock, or timed events. So a judged event is basically when a judge will score a performance of both the animal and the contestant for a potential tally of 100 points per ride. These events, these judged events, are saddle bronc riding, bareback bronc riding, and bull riding. And then the timed events... Wait, what? the bull can get points? I think it's the way <laughs> the animal performs. <laughs> Trust me, I am not a rodeo judge, and that is a fact. That's I just want to know like, what happens if they win. <laughs> they take home the prize, and they, it's like a cash prize. So They, they take it home their to their slaughter. family. <laughs> oh, sad. Sad. Um, yeah, I don't actually like rodeo, but we'll get to that closer to the end. Um, yeah, so then we go into timed competitions. They're basically competitions where competitors will race against a clock through a series of go-arounds for the best time. These competitions are steer wrestling, calf roping, team roping, barrel racing, and steer roping. PRCA-sanctioned rodeos usually present these events in a specific order. And that is bareback bronc riding, followed by calf roping, then saddle bronc riding, then steer wrestling, then team roping, then barrel racing, and the grand finale, bull riding. I feel like I'd want to do barrel racing the most, because that's just like weaving in and out of barrels on a horse. Exactly. Yeah, I feel like that's the less, the least trauma- traumatizing to all involved. Yeah. <laughs> also, <laughs> be, would be kind of cool. Right, to be on a horse and go real fast and like cut corners and be like zoom, 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 mm-hmm. zoom. Well, the horse, I mean, everyone's doing a lot of work, but they the are. horse's work should not be diminished. They're not the ones zipping around those barrels with their giant bodies. Horses are massive, first of all. The first time I ever saw a horse up close, because like I was not raised in a place where I like rode a horse ever. Mm-hmm. The first time I ever saw a horse up close, I was in college. Yes, that old. We went to a farm that was also like a like a creamery where you could buy ice cream Mm -hmm. and you bought your ice cream. And then you could also like get like a bag of carrots and walk to like a paddock where they had like a bunch of horses. Seriously. So gorgeous. But these things are massive and they have huge eyes. They have human eyes. They they look right at you. you. And then also I had to learn how to feed a horse with a a flat palm, but I would always get so nervous that I would like, anyway, I got yelled at a lot that day. Yeah. So you're, fingers are the same shape as carrots so yep you know you don't want them sticking straight up going right yeah. into their big old chompers i love horses so much i would love did to, you ride, used to one. ride did you used to ride horses i did when i was younger down in a good old homestead which is south of miami it's horse country lots of farms out there hmm. um i love horseback riding but it's a very hard sport i mean it's so hard to get access to a horse <laughs> you know right horses are expensive and like yeah, yeah. No, it's crazy. But yeah, so I've never actually ridden on a horse. I have a, a lot of respect for them because they're huge. I would love to see you ride a horse. Oh. <laughs> I'll arrange this. Do not give this girl any ideas involving me doing something that will make me look ridiculous. <laughs> um, I would like to ride a horse at some point in my life. In private? 
um, preferably sooner rather than later. I am approaching 30, not saying that 30 is old, but I feel like once you hit a certain age, you're just going to be too afraid to get up on that saddle. You know what I mean? Not me. Girl, you've ridden a horse before. Okay. Oh my God. I can change it anyways. What can I do with your rodeo? Fine, fine, fine. Rodeo, rodeo, rodeo. So like I said, they present these events in a specific order. Amazing. Um, There are rodeo events that were once popular that are rare to see nowadays, and these are mainly events inspired by Wild West shows. For instance, trick and fancy roping and also trick riding. Like, you might see those, like, as, like, intermission shows or things that happen kind of, like, on the side of, like, the actual rodeo events, but it's not, like, the main events anymore. Uh, And then barrel racing is the only women's event regularly shown at PRCA rodeos. And if you're looking to see women performing the rough stock events, you'll need to find a rodeo organized by the Women's Professional Rodeo Association founded in 1948. So it's kind of a sexist uh, event, like showing. Like most of the events are male only. Mm-hmm. And the only thing that the women can do is the bow racing. Um, Which, yes, is what I just said I wanted to do. But still, I want the option to do the others. Exactly. Exactly. And the fact that they have whatever, you know, I'm not going to get into like sexism and like, you know, professional sports, but (laughs) the fact that women are probably just as talented at horse riding and rodeo things and whatever, and they have Mm -hmm. to be shunted off to the WPRA and not in the PRCA, whatever. Why do, why do men hate women so much? Anyway. Anyway, let's talk about each of the events in a little bit more detail so that you know what they're like, what to expect if you're to go to a rodeo, uh, and you can decide at the end if there is animal cruelty involved. Okay? Okay. I didn't really get into the animal cruelty element, but I hope that this leaves you questioning like it left me questioning. Mm -hmm. And you can further your research after you finish listening to this episode. Events explained. We're going to start with bareback bronc riding. First of all, when I say bronc, I'm talking about an unbroken horse picked for its resistance to training and tendency to buck its rider. So a bronco, okay, a bucking bronco is what Mm -hmm. we're talking about. Uh, The bareback bronc riding event is when a contestant spurs the animal. It leaves like that little holding cell that it's in is called a chute. So Mm -hmm. it will leave the chute and the contestant must only hold on to the rein with one hand, the free hand never touching the animal or any of the rigging or even themselves. Uh, and a qualifying ride must last eight seconds. Yikes. Mm. It's a yep. good way to get a concussion. That, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And most of, the, most of these rodeo stars don't wear protective gear, at least not in the way that you would think that they should. Yeah, no I'd one's be got like, like a knight, of ar- like a suit of armor. <laughs> Could you imagine you rolling up to like a contemporary rodeo in like a full suit of armor and you're just clanking up on your horse? Amazing. I'd pay money to see that. The next event is calf roping, aka tie down roping, which evolved from the traditional roundup task that cowboys and vaqueros performed out in the range. Uh, calves, calves would have to be roped and subdued for branding or, you know, doctor's visits, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a timed event. A contestant is on a well-trained horse. They must tie down a 250 to 350 pound calf. Uh, they must rope it around its neck and simultaneously bring their horse to an abrupt stop, also halting the calf. The contestant then jumps off the horse, throws the calf on its side, 
ties three of its leg, and then time is called when the contestant raises both of their hands, and the calf must stay tied for six seconds to qualify. And the calf is, like, hogtied. And the calf is like, Jesus Christ, I woke up and I didn't think this was going to happen this morning. Like, what the hell? They're like, oh, wow, what are all these people looking at? Holy shit. And you release the damn thing from the chute and it's in the middle of this huge arena. Oh, that poor baby. And then the next thing you know, it's on its side with three legs up in the air. We've all been in that position. Poor baby. Okay, that brings me to the next event. Saddle bronc riding. Similar to bareback bronc riding, except now the bronco is wearing a harness, a hornless saddle, uh, a plain halter, and a six-foot braided rein. The point is to stay on the horse as long as possible. Uh, The feet must remain in the stirrups, and the free hand cannot touch the horse, any of the gear, or the contestant's body. Mm -hmm. Now we have steer wrestling, steer wrestling, like, you know, S-T-E-E-R wrestling. Mm -hmm. This was never practiced by real cowboys and was strictly developed as a rodeo event. Um, It is also called bulldogging. Basically, a 550 to 650 pound steer is released into the ring. The contestants, there's two people. So There's the contestant's team member, known as a hazer. He has to keep the steer running in a straight line. The contestant then has to jump onto the steer's head and neck, hold the horns, then go to the ground, placing his heels, like, kind of into the dirt to stop the movement, right? Uh, And stop the steer from running. Uh, And then once the steer slows, the bulldogger wrestles it to the ground with a twisting and falling motion, and time is declared when the steer lands on its side with all four legs extended in the same direction. You're basically tackling this massive fucking cow yeah. <laughs> to the ground. Sounds horrible, but I'm also like intrigued at how that would even work. Maybe okay, we can I... post videos on our Twitter Ugh, of these competitions. Know. We need to like do a trigger warning for steer no, abuse. It's... It's kind of scary to think of, you know, just some man, some muscly man hopping on the back of this poor cow, mm-hmm. wrestling this thing, wrestling it right down to the earth. And again, the steer is probably like, what in the hell is going on? <laughs> like, what do you do? You're like, I was just sitting in a chute and now suddenly I got all four legs up in the air. It's like he's never done this before. You know, you live your whole (laughs) life not knowing that can happen. Then all of a sudden a human being tackled to the ground. Right. It's too much. Too much. It brings me to team roping. Uh, A steer is given a predetermined head start into the ring. uh, And then two contestants pursue on horse. The leading roper must catch the steer around the horns, wrap their rope around the horns uh, one or more times, uh, and then change the direction of the steer's run. And then the other roper has to do the same thing and basically get their rope around the steer's horn and get the steer in between their two horses. Time is marked when the steer is immobilized between both horses, uh, facing both facing both riders facing the steer in a straight line. Ouch. Hmm. So you're being Kinda, pulled from two directions. Yeah, around your horns. Imagine having horns and you got these ropes all around them. Yeah, sounds awful. Sounds awful. This brings us to barrel racing. Remember, this is the only women's event in the PRCA sanctioned rodeos, but apparently it is the second most popular event at rodeo competitions. 
second only to bull riding. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, let women do more things. They're, it's popular. Anyway, so contestants have a running start entering the arena on horse galloping, and they must negotiate like or like run a cloverleaf pattern around a bunch of barrels. Mm-hmm. Um, and they basically ride all out to the exit, and then the, the time stops and the best time wins. And Very riders cool. can use spurs, crops, whatever to kind of urge the horse to go faster. But finesse is extremely important. Tipping a barrel uh, adds a five-second penalty, while running in an incorrect pattern will disqualify you altogether. <gasps> rules are rules. Rules are rules. So that brings us to bull riding. Bull riding is an event that pits a competitor against a 1,700 to 2,000-pound bull. Mm-hmm. Wild. You basically have to stay on the animal. The rider utilizes only a flat plated rope with a handhold and an attached bell. One hand has to remain free. Most contemporary bull riders will wear, will wear Kevlar vests for protections, and some will also don helmets. So this is the only event where people are like wearing protective gear. Some Makes don helmets sense. should be a hundred percent should be required. I mean, they forced me to wear a helmet for my damn bike. You yeah. know. Whatever. Wear your helmets. Wear your helmets when you're riding a bike, when you're, you're walking outside on the sidewalk. Just wear your helmets. Uh, yeah, so for a qualified bull ride, contestants must stay a, uh, on the animal for eight seconds and cannot touch the bull or themselves with their free hand. No, thank you. Makes sense. So then we go to steer roping. Uh, steer roping does not happen at most contemporary rodeos anymore. Uh, it's limited mostly due to concerns about animal welfare, uh, though it was originally a duty performed by cowboys. So cowboys would be like working like on the range alone. Um, and they would also often have to like catch and immobilize an animal weighing somewhere between 400 to 600 pounds by themselves. So at the event, steer roping is sort of similar to calf roping, except that the animal is considerably larger mm-hmm. uh, and heavier. And after the catch, they have to throw the animal in like a special tripping maneuver, okay? And it's this tripping maneuver that is considered animal cruelty. Why yeah. throwing it on the ground is not, I don't know. Uh, and yeah, the steer must remain tied for six seconds, the whole thing. Uh, because of the violent tripping motion with the event, steers are sometimes killed or injured in the arena. Oh, no. Uh-huh. Uh, and it's been outlawed in most states in the Western U.S., though some variations kind of exist at other different rodeo shows. So you mm-hmm. might be able to see something like this at a rodeo, even though it sounds sad. Uh, and then I'm just going to point out two other events that you might see, the like sideshow events you might see at a rodeo, because I thought they were hilarious. Mm-hmm. One is called Mutton Busting which is basically you see a child on top of a massive sheep and then the sheep is released into the arena and basically the child that stays on the sheep the longest gets a prize. Okay, I've seen <laughs> this. I feel like I have seen the setup of a rodeo or something at the fair, like the county fair. Mm, and mm-hmm. we stayed to watch this one event of, yes, children riding sheep, which was Yes. And all funny. the pictures I saw of this one had kids in helmets. So that's good. Wear helmets. Yeah. And then Still feel this... bad for the sheep, though. Not yeah, I feel, I feel bad for all the animals here. I just... Mm-hmm. I just don't understand how you can, I mean, fine, you gotta, if you're gonna eat meat, that's one thing, but are you about to, like, hop out into the backyard and wrestle your damn steers to the ground? Like, come on, why you gotta do that? Why you gotta, to show that you're strong? Pick up a barbell, whatever. I'm gonna end on, like, the weirdest one. 
and, and personal. Personally, I think it's the weirdest. It's called wild cow milking. <laughs> okay. Um, and it's kind of exactly what it sounds like. It's a team-based sport. Uh, the goal is to catch a and milk a, quote, wild cow. What's which a is wild basically, cow? It's basically like a semi-feral animal that is not used to being milked by people. Uh, usually a beef cattle breed. Oh, so. Okay. Just a cow that's never been milked before. So you have to chase after it with your team, catch it, and milk it. Imagine uh, what that cow's thinking. He's like, what the hell do you think you're doing? Get your hands off my udders. You know? Mm. Uh, yeah, and you got to do it real quick because the shortest team, the shortest time wins. So, yeah. Let me know if you want my sources. Lots of really great sources. Lots of great reading material out there. But uh, that's what I got for rodeos. Well, thank you for sharing. Certainly left me with a lot to think about tonight. Mm-hmm. Definitely don't throw your cows on the ground. That's my personal opinion. I couldn't. I mean, I don't even have cows. Definitely True. not strong enough. Yeah, if I had a cow, I wouldn't throw it on the ground because I'm not strong enough. And also because I don't want to. You heard it here first, everyone. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for joining us for another wonderful episode. If you want to talk to us, please follow us on Twitter at Girls. Or Instagram at the Good Evening Girls. Or TikTok at the Good Eve Girls. Stop by. Say hello. We love hearing from you. Uh, send us your thoughts. Send us your corrections corners. Um, send us your PIN numbers, your social security number, and your home address, your birthday, passwords. We, we might just send you a birthday gemstone. <laughs> All right, listeners. Until next time. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.